0: We're talking about the upcoming coronation of King Charles and what this means for the British people. We're talking about it right now with PhD candidate in early modern history at McMaster University, Justin Volk. Justin, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know,
0: I want to have a conversation about what this what this kingship means for the British people and can they can they shed, you know, maybe some of the the troubled past when it comes to the monarchy. But first of all, let's just talk about the fact that this is coming up really soon and it seems to be met with maybe a little bit of hesitation for the British people. We've heard lots of stories of many big celebrities not wanting to play the king's coronation. Uh some people questioning what this is really going to look like coming off of an incredible reign for Queen Elizabeth II. What's the, what's the climate right now when it comes to the British public and receiving King Charles as their new monarch?
1: Well, I think there, there is a lot of trepidation because Charles has really big shoes to fill. His mother cast a 70-year shadow for, for him to follow he'll, he'll never be able to match you know her, her legacy in that way and the reality is this is the first coronation that anybody under the age of 70 has ever seen and so i think that part of the reason there's this sort of reserved caution about it is because no one really knows what to make of it we, we haven't seen something like this in our lifetime mm-hmm. and so it doesn't really feel real for a lot of people At the moment, it's still, I mean, it's less than two months away, but it's still almost two months away, if if that makes sense. And there are a lot of really pressing day-to-day concerns for people, cost of living, housing crises, war in Europe. And so I think until we get much closer to the date, it's still going to feel like a really far-off event for a lot of people.
0: You know, it's funny that you say it's the first one that many people have seen before, because I remember having a conversation with my husband talking about some of the big celebrities that didn't want to play the coronation. And he thought, well, why would why would a big celebrity be playing at that moment? It's supposed to be really serious and somber as the king gets the crown placed on his head. And And, and I said, well, it's not going to work like that. It's more like that's a serious moment. And then there's a party afterwards. And then we both thought, well, is it though? I mean, do we even really know how, how this works? It, it's something that is really, I think, unique for so many people. We don't. We don't really have a lot of experience with how this is supposed to work. Are we supposed to be excited, nervous? Are, are there are there supposed to be people that come out and watch this? I mean, let's just talk about the logistics of how it all works.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's certainly an event that is meant to bring everyone together to celebrate the new reign. Coronations date from you know, centuries and centuries back where it is both coming out of the period where you've just finished mourning the monarch who died, Mm -hmm. and now you're celebrating the beginning of the new reign. Well, we're also celebrating the beginning of the new reign in a modern era where the world is connected like it never has been before. And there is this kind of precedent, actually, that's been set out maybe over the last 10, 20 years, that, when there's big events for the monarchy, they do concerts. We've seen that with the Queen's Jubilees. We've seen that with her birthday celebrations. Um, we're used to seeing big concerts put on outside of Buckingham Palace. So it's kind of expected that we're going to have modern celebrities being attached to these events. It's a way to generate interest. It's a way to get the younger population involved. And it is a way to try and show that the monarchy is keeping up with what's important to people.
0: Which is interesting because the monarchy itself is something that's so wrapped up in tradition and British heritage. And when I think about any sort of big British celebration the uh, you know or 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 gathering the most recent of course being the the funeral of the queen it's all about pageantry and all of this pomp and circumstance and all of this tradition and, and and rigidity and so it seems interesting to sort of embrace a little bit more of a modern approach how much is going to be modern and how much is going to be still based in that old british tradition
1: for this particular coronation, I think we can anticipate a significant modernization compared to what we've ever, well, not seen in the past, because we, you and I have certainly never <laughs> seen a previous coronation. 20- Seeds of
0: black and white photos.
1: <laughs> yes, or, or you know, what we've seen you know, season one of The Crown. Sure. Um, but, but Charles has been very vocal about the fact that his is going to be a modern monarchy that is relevant in the 21st century, that shows... not just the British people, but the people of Canada and the Commonwealth, why a monarchy is a relevant political institution. And we are hearing rumblings about how that is going to play out in the coronation. We know that for the very first time, as far as I know, In history, we will have commoners participating in the ceremony. Camilla's grandchildren Ah. will be participating during the anointing. They'll be carrying a canopy over her, which is considered one of the most sacred moments. We've never had commoners do this before. There's rumors that the service is going to get cut down from three or four hours to potentially one to two hours. We are going to be seeing more volunteers and members of the public being invited to attend instead of the nobles and the rich and the powerful and that we are seeing these concerts, we are seeing these these festivities to promote, um, you know, community engagement, and the idea that we're connected to one another, not just we're celebrating the fact that, an old guy is getting a crown put on his head.
0: So it seems like to me then if the coronation is sort of setting the tone for what his reign is going to look like, it's kind of a I'm I'm the people I'm I'm the, the king of the people and I I stand with you, modern British public, which is something I think is is necessary. Because I, I think if there were ever a, a monarch that was going to cause more separation and and more frustration, I think, with the with the fact that there is still a monarchy, it's probably this one, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny that the, the way you had worded it because on the one hand, you're one hundred percent right. If anyone needs to be that monarch, it's Charles. On the other hand, that statement of I'm standing with you, the people, from a like a legal and a political perspective, that's not a statement Charles can make. Right. And so it's he has to walk this really fine line of of showing that the monarchy is is progressive, it is relevant to our political institutions. It is something that unites people, regardless of whether uh, whichever political party you are aligned with. But at the same time, it still has to have this this aura of of sacredness or, or, or sort of like mystical history, that pomp and pageantry, because if it doesn't have this element to it, what separates it from just any other political institution? So it's a, it's a really, really careful balancing act that Charles has to maintain.
0: And is he going to be able to do that? I want to get into that with you, Justin, in just a moment, but we do have to take just a little break. Uh, we're talking about King Charles' coronation coming up on May 6th. Can the British monarchy shed its imperial past, and can this king sort of change uh, the perception amongst the British people when it comes to the monarchy as a whole? Justin Volk is a PhD candidate in early modern history at McMaster University. We're going to get right back into this. Chelsea on shed continues in three minutes. Welcome back to the show. This is Chelsea on Ched. We're talking about King Charles' coronation and the attitude from the British people towards the monarchy. We're talking about it right now with PhD candidate in early modern history at McMaster University, Justin Volk. You know, you, you said yourself, Justin, at the beginning of our conversation that we we live in a really connected world more than ever, more than any, I think, monarch has really had to deal with before. And so in that connection comes, I think, these this, this murmuring of we should get rid of we should we should get rid of the monarchy and it's outdated and it's antiquated and so will he be able to ride that line
1: I definitely think he will be able to for two reasons number one there's always talk when there's a changing of the guard of whether or not we still need a monarchy and so that, so that those questions are very normal but something a lot of people don't realize is well wait what what would actually go into getting rid of the monarchy and Britain or Canada becoming a republic. And it would be 10-plus years of tremendous political work for that to happen. So so, uh, just on a practical level, I don't really see that being something he has to worry about. But uh, on the other side of it, he has a lot of values that are very relevant today. Mm. He's been very vocal for many years about his concerns over um, environmentalism, sustainability, sustainability having a monarchy that is actually worth its, worth its pounds, that's actually worth its dollars, that it's not an institution that doesn't do anything for the people, and something that does connect with people in ways that it hasn't in the past. So I think that if Charles is able to kind of stay on message with the things that he has valued for the last 30, 40 years— I think people will be able to see that this, this is a monarchy that that will have and can have some relevancy to what people are wanting today.
0: I think in order to create that relevancy more than ever, people need authenticity from their leaders. And I wonder if in trying to create this really authentic message and a connection with younger generations, will there be any sort of concession or confrontation of the the colonial past? that has to do with the monarch, the returning of the um, the, the jewel from India, that name escapes me. Uh, I'm hoping that you know which one I, I mean, but will there be, the will there door. be, yes, thank you. Yeah. Will there be any sort of acknowledgement of the the colonial past to try to then reframe it as something more positive that people can't, um, you know, criticize as easily?
1: You know, that that is a conversation that, absolutely needs to happen and needs to continue to happen in terms of coming to terms with with the colonial past. Something a lot of people don't realize, though, is there is very little the monarchy can say and do from a political and a constitutional perspective to actually advance that conversation. There is a principle within the British and the Canadian governmental systems that does not allow the monarch to speak out against the policies and criticize the policies of any Government. It's the idea that that the prime minister and and the king don't come to fisticuffs in public. Mm -hmm. And any kind of conversation about reconciliation, restoration, restitution would have to be tremendously carefully negotiated with any sitting government to ensure that it doesn't throw any previous prime ministers or any previous agendas under the bus mm-hmm. because it would be very difficult to talk about returning the Kui or returning the Cullen and Diamonds to South Africa without kind of implying that the British prime ministers and their governments at those times acted improperly or acted in an oppressive or a colonial way. And so it, it's a really, really tricky conversation to have. And it's one that something people don't realize the politicians have to be much more actively involved in participating. Mm.
0: But it's interesting, then, that it seems that it's the monarch that gets the that gets the full blame for it without acknowledging all of the the political uh, tie ins to it. Justin, you just reminded me and and I think reminded our listeners that this would be a job that I don't think anybody would really want, although it seems very glamorous. Uh, What a difficult line to walk.
1: Uh, absolutely. I've, I've often, you know, you know read books, seen movies, watched series, particularly when it's, you know, medieval and, you know, everyone's, you know, fighting to get the throne. And I'm thinking, why, why would you, <laughs> why? like, why? Be, be the power behind the throne. That seems safer.
0: Yes, totally. Well, Justin, thank you so much for uh, for your great explanation and for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. Anytime. That is Justin Volk, a PhD candidate in early modern history at McMaster University, talking, of course, about King Charles' coronation.